0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 12 of There Is No Spoon Podcast. My name is Stephen, and I've been called many things over the years, most of which would get a youngster's mouth washed out with soap back in the 1950s, or perhaps even hot-sauced present day down in the southern states. So let's go with the title, Transformative Life Coach, whatever the hell that means. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, would be to join me for a sushi-sized, deep-dive exploration into how our minds work, the origin of our internal experiences, and maybe even catch a glimpse of who we really be, sweet pea. It just so happens that I've received several emails recently regarding relationships. Thank you to Karen from New York and Parama, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, from Singapore. And because the specifics of their questions were different, but my overall answer is essentially the same as always, you're shocked, no doubt, I thought it might be most beneficial and certainly more efficient to cover the broad topic of relationships over the course of several podcast episodes. I will likely throw in other topics in between during the series. The first episode is titled. The Great Relationship Myths Part 1 Communication. Now, as anyone who is in a relationship presently, or if you've ever been in one in the past, can attest, there are so many ripe, let's call them, opportunities for learning and self growth when you're close to a partner or partners, you poly peeps. In other words, relationships are great. And they can also seem like an emotional shitshow. Of course, as for whether your relationship has you feeling swell or shitshowy, that's just a simple misunderstanding of where your feelings originate and what they mean. But I'm getting ahead of myself, as I'm prone to do. Full disclosure, I, I almost never coach couples together. I was chatting with a longtime friend who is a naturopathic doctor and has moved into a specialization in couples counseling and she loves it. She was telling me how powerful it can be to have both parties present in a session and that I'd likely also dig it. And indeed, I feel I might. However, what I have found most exciting about working with just one half of a couple is that what I've seen over and over again while it's true that it takes two to have a fight, it only takes one person to have an insight and to move a relationship forward towards grounding and connection. I'm not asking you to trust me on this. As a matter of fact, don't ever trust me on anything. Simply hear me out and then find out for yourself. Now, when looking at relationships through the lens of the inside-out understanding there's really no better place to look than the work of George and Linda Pransky. And the best place to start would be what I consider to be the Bible of relationship books, simply titled The Relationship Handbook, A Simple Guide to Satisfying Relationships. I'd recommend the 25th anniversary edition. I'm not saying it's the only relationship book you'll ever need, but I'm also most certainly not not saying It's the only relationship book you'll ever need. It's by far the book I recommend most often to clients, whether they're in a relationship or not. I will say, though, that the initial feedback I get from clients on this book is relatively split between, you're kidding me, this will never work, it's just not that simple, and this is brilliant. Of course it's always been that simple. How could we not have seen it? which is also traditionally the reaction to most true insights. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Of course, I could just recommend the book and be done with it. However, reading, sadly, in my opinion, just doesn't seem so popular anymore. And, well, some folks seem to like my particular take on things. There's really no accounting for good taste. So I thought I'd just work my way through the highlights of the book over the course of, you know, a few episodes, and then you can grab a copy of it if what I'm sharing seems valuable to you. First, just a bit of background. George and Linda have been psychologists for several decades, and they experimented with all kinds of couples therapies through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, as did all their friends who also happened to be marriage counselors, and finally realized that none of them seemed any better off overall than the couples they were counseling. So they began to look elsewhere, I believe that it was Linda who was leading the way, and found out that the answers were far simpler than any of them had ever imagined. Let's start out with the source of all distress and counterproductive behavior in relationships, including the relationship with oneself, I would say. George and Linda were originally trained and educated to find what most psychological systems believe to be the source of conflict within relationships, the kind of villains, if you will, that we're all likely familiar with, like unexamined emotions, past traumas, habitual patterns, piss-poor communication skills, etc., etc. Instead of any of these being the origin of distress, they came to find that they were merely symptoms of underlying insecurity. They propose that insecurity is the generic human mental illness due to a simple and pervasive misunderstanding. And, of course, this insecurity has the potential to be greatly exaggerated and brought to light within a relationship. Now, the cure is to gain insightful understanding into the nature of thought, how it creates feelings, your mood, in any moment, and how to recognize and navigate those moods to ground your relationships. Most couples counseling approaches dive headfirst into problem solving. But this alternative approach focuses instead on how the ability to stay connected strengthens a relationship. If you are constantly focused on identifying and working on your problems, you become an expert on problems. By constantly poking the bear, couples tend to bring out the worst in each other. Next, let's look at the difference between low mood therapy and high mood therapy. The vast majority of therapeutic approaches to relationship counseling and individual counseling as well would be classified by the Pransky's as low mood therapies, which means the process goes something like this. First, you list all the problems. Next, you dive into them. You find their suspected origins and the consequences. Then you experience the pain of dwelling on them. And then finally, you decide whether you and your partner are willing to do the hard work. Can you see how this might create a a downward spiral and hence the label low mood therapy? Now, high mood therapy focuses instead on understanding how emotions and our moods cloud our sincere connection to our partner and within the relationship itself the client begins to see how easy it's been to make the mistake that being in a bad or a low mood means there's something much bigger wrong with the relationship. They get to the point that we're just not good for each other anymore. A high mood therapist or coach doesn't poke the bear, but instead shares with the couple how the transient nature of feelings and moods reveals them to be really unreliable indicators as to the health and worthiness of the relationship. Any and all issues within a relationship are symptoms, not the cause of disharmony. Now, this will likely sound like heresy to some therapists, but George and Linda do not believe that feelings need to be worked through, at least not as a rule. But rather, simply understood to be a signal about how much we are caught up in our heads at any given moment. High mood therapy focuses on connection, which, as you can see, would promote an upward spiral. Okay, background complete. This book is loosely designed around exploring the most common myths within relationship work and the much simpler truth. This first episode will take on the myth we just need to communicate better. Clear communication automatically improves the quality of a relationship. The partial truth is that positive communication does indeed deepen the feelings and connection between people. The key insight is an understanding of feelings and the moods that accompany them, and that when you are in a good mood, Communicating with your partner nourishes connection and is beneficial. However, communicating from a low mood space will almost always be distancing and destructive. You can use your feelings of connection moment to moment within each communication to gauge the benefit, or the lack thereof, of the encounter. This is a direct passage from page 37. If the two of you start a discussion at 7.10, and at 7.30 you feel closer, you are making progress. There is no such thing as a productive discussion that alienates its parties. There is no such thing as an unproductive discussion that brings two people closer together. So we can view communication as a neutral pipeline feeding into your relationship. If you're feeling shitty because you're in a low mood state and you share with your partner, the chances are they'll end up feeling shitty as well. That's because from that sort of state, that's all you can do. You're severely limited by your current state as to the content of your communication. If your partner ends up joining you in that low mood, well, your communication has actually been quite successful. In essence, you ran raw sewage through the communication pipeline, and now you have fecal matter coming out of your shower head. On the other hand, from a high mood state, you're pumping in clear mountain spring water. Ah, it's like showering with Coors Light. What's being suggested is not taking your negative thoughts and moods too seriously, and be careful as communicating them to your partner usually makes them seem more real. So, are George and Linda saying that we should only talk about issues with our partners when you're both in a high mood state? That is certainly the ideal. At the very least, attempt to both be in neutral states and to monitor each other in terms of connection and closeness. If it starts to degrade, stop the discussion and come back to it later. If you must communicate from within a low mood state, which can be the case sometimes, warn your partner that you are in such a state and that what you're sharing is coming from that limited state, not from the true you, and isn't about you, your partner, or the relationship. As for being on the receiving end of low mood communications, your empathy for your partner will go a long way in maintaining connection and reducing the negative impact of the sewage backup. Communication, as in how skilled you are at it, isn't nearly as important as the feeling state that you're in when you do it. Bottom line, as you can likely tell from these solo podcasts, I love to talk as much Well, probably more than the next guy. And at times in my life, I've been obsessed with words and how to communicate in such a way as to always be understood. It was the best way that I knew at the time to connect with others. Now, I know better. And better is to not seek to be understood, but to connect. And we are best able to connect with each other and ourselves when we are aware of our moment-to-moment mental-emotional state or moods, and then communicate with responsibility, which is to say, most often from our higher mood states. What I'm betting you'll find, but again, don't take my word for it, is that many of the issues you've been having with your partner will seem to soften or perhaps even evaporate. And even the big ones, because... Sure, there are some big real-world differences within relationships that do need to be addressed. You'll have the best shot at resolving them because you'll be discussing a tough topic from a connected space. Again, this is just the first of several relationship myths from the handbook that we'll ponder on and off over the next several months. Other ones include, it's possible to be too understanding. People don't really change. Long-term relationships always grow stale, among others. But don't wait for me. If you sense that this type of approach might scratch an itch you didn't even know you had, then by all means, check out The Relationship Handbook by George Pransky. That's P-R-A-N-S-K-Y. You can also check out their website, which has plenty of free articles and videos on relationships and much more, at pransky.com and associates.com. Now, just a side note, if you choose to listen and or watch a video of George, know that he is the epitome of CTFD. He speaks so slowly that he will calm your ass down faster than a dose of Thorazine. But once you adapt to it, I trust you'll hear the brilliance in what he shares. Until next time, Take responsibility for noticing your mood state and deciding the wisdom of communicating in that moment or not. And of course, there is no frickin' spoon. It's not spoons that bend, it's you. Be swell and stay bending, my friends.